Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. At the turn of the millennium, Australia had the lowest energy prices in the world. Now we have among the highest. Now, this was not an accident. Uh, it was a direct and immediate result of government policy. Over the last two years, prices for families have gone up by 50%. But think about this. It is the lowest income families that have been hit the hardest. The most recent data from the Australian Bureau of Statistics will knock your socks off. They delineate the amount or the, the percentage of household income that is spent on energy costs. So energy costs means your energy bills, gas and electricity, and also petrol or diesel that you're putting into your, your car. And it's got the five different uh, quintiles. So if you go first, second, third, fourth, fifth, if we look at the lowest fifth, so this is the lowest 20% of families by income, 15% of their income is now spent on energy. And for the highest quintile, it's 1%. Well, that was Daniel Wilde, the Deputy Executive Director of the Institute for Public Affairs, speaking at the Family First National Conference in Sydney at the weekend. If you want to know why there is a cost of living crisis in this nation with energy prices, inflation, government debt out of control, look no further than your politicians. It's those that can least afford it who are paying the price for futile attempts by Australian governments to change the temperature of the planet. No wonder support for Anthony Albanese's radical change to the Constitution to entrench a race-based voice to Parliament and executive government is tanking. People in the suburbs are just trying to pay their energy bills. You can watch the rest of Daniel's speech along with nine other amazing speakers from the conference on the ADH TV website. It was a terrific weekend, and I want to especially say thanks to Charlie and Jack from ADH TV for live streaming the event and for making the speeches available online. Well, it's another packed show this week. Kiralee Smith will join me as always, but my other special guest is Councillor Louise Elliott from the Hobart City Council. You won't believe the compulsory re-education program she's been put through this week for the crime of saying that trans women are men. I kid you not. I might have won my legal battle against two anti-free speech drag queens, but the lawfare against mainstream Australians is far from over. All that and more, don't touch that dial. Tonight on Spotlight. You were 15 when you had the operation? Yes. I underwent the double mastectomy and I had my breast surgically removed. It's the most controversial story this year. 
Children are being told they should change from boy to girl or girl to boy from as young as 12 years old. You go ahead, take that testosterone, we'll fix everything. I'm a female to male to female detransitioner. Is a generation being brainwashed? It's so trendy, it's very in right now. I was just looking for a sense of belonging. Well, after years of ignoring concerns about the well-being of children undergoing so-called gender transitioning, light is finally being shone on controversial LGBTIQA plus child gender clinics. Channel 7's Spotlight program lived up to its name on Sunday night with reporter Liam Bartlett scrutinising the industry, which is chemically castrating children and physically mutilating them in the name of LGBTIQA plus gender fluid ideology. Victims and parents of victims were allowed to tell their stories for the first time on legacy media without being demonised as bad people for not following the LGBTIQA plus politically correct narrative. Clinical experts who have been blowing the whistle were allowed to speak, including senior psychiatrist Dr Gillian Spencer, who was stood down from her job at the Queensland Children's Hospital's Child Gender Clinic for questioning the so-called gender-affirming approach. This approach forces parents, clinicians and counsellors by law in Queensland, Victoria, the ACT, to affirm a child's gender confusion putting them on a train to irreversible puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and even surgical mutilation of healthy breasts and genitalia. Jail terms apply for anyone not affirming a child's gender confusion. I see this as a really serious child protection issue. And as a 45-year-old woman, and as a mother, and as a child psychiatrist, I could not hold my head up if I didn't speak about this. Now, Dr Gillian Spencer cares about kids and wants her job back, but reckons management just want her gone. Paediatrician Dr Dylan Wilson told Liam Bartlett what was happening is a medical scandal. It's not possible to be the opposite sex. No human can change sex. You know the transgender community will hate you for saying that. I don't believe that's true because I think a lot of trans people appreciate that fact also. They but that's, know... that's not a popular view to express. Reality is not, doesn't depend on popularity. Humans can't change sex. There's nothing popular or uh, about that at all. It's just a fact. Now, none of the heads of Australia's child gender clinics would speak to Spotlight, but Professor Ian Hickey of the University of Sydney granted what turned out to be a testy interview with Bartlett. He told Bartlett that it's a good thing that there is an epidemic of children influenced by social media showing up at child gender clinics looking to change their gender. The idea that we are simple binary people, simple male, female and happy with that, does not respect what has been known for centuries that a great number of young people are not so binary, they're not so fixed. As our whole society becomes more inclusive and less rigid, more kids are coming forward. This is not just simply a fad. It's not just simply a fashion. Really? It's moving, really, it's going closer to what has always been the reality. Seriously? Talk about doubling down. Now, sadly, very few other media outlets have picked up on what should be a running story. It seems like virtually no politicians have spoken out. Silence is all that we're hearing. There should be a royal commission into what is going on in Australia's child gender clinics. 
The ABC, which just weeks ago ran a story on Four Corners justifying experimental gender conversion therapies on children. It runs a protection racket for the gender clinics. It only mentioned the Spotlight story to carry criticism of it by a young male social media influencer who has transitioned to a woman and has just had breast augmentation surgery. Before and after images of Grace Highland were used in the promotion of the Spotlight program, which Highland took exception to. So what? He was unhappy with being associated with the program because unlike the other transgender people featured, he does not regret transitioning to a girl. Now, many men like to transition because they get a sexual kick out of transitioning from male to female. Highland said treating children with puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones and surgery was fine. Something several of the other detransitioners featured vehemently disagreed, uh, featured in the program vehemently disagreed with. Chloe Cole, a US detransitioner, said when she was 15, her breasts were removed. Another Australian detransitioner said she transitioned because she was looking for social acceptance and now regretted irreversibly harming her body. But Highland called for more funding for child gender clinics. It, child gender conversion, doesn't need this negativity, he said. Family First believes child gender clinics should be closed and it should be unlawful for puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones and gender reassignment to be administered to minors. LGBTIQA plus gender fluid ideology should immediately be banned from being taught or promoted in schools and there should be a Royal Commission into gender conversion therapy. Well, joining me now, as always, to discuss the ongoing war being waged by LGBTIQA plus political activists against girls, women and children, and the failure of the politicians to act is Kiralee Smith from Binary. Kiralee, thanks for joining us again today. Thanks for having me, Lyle. Now, Kiralee, um, the big news this week, of course, is Channel 7's Spotlight program, which we've talked about just prior to you coming on. What did you make of it? Oh, look, there's so much I'd like to say. But first of all, um, congratulations, Channel 7, because no other mainstream or legacy media has had the courage to address this issue. And it was absolutely, you know, I was really nervous leading up to it. What would it be like? And uh, coming out the other side, I was really impressed uh, with what they did. Um, so sad. I don't know how you could get through that program without tears or without feeling really deeply disturbed and distressed by those stories. And Mel Jeffries in particular was the story that uh, ripped my heart out, the Melbourne lady who, you know, she just wanted to belong. She just wanted to feel a part of a community. And uh, her life has been absolutely yeah. ripped apart because of the lies yeah. that were sold to her, because gender ideology is based on lies. And it is a lie that if you remove perfectly healthy breasts if you take drugs uh, that you'll change sex because you won't and you'll be left feeling really empty and you'll be left with very serious medical consequences that will make you a lifelong medical patient and so her story was devastating yeah it sure, um, the sure. parents yeah yeah yep. it sure was devastating Kiralee what, what did you make of Professor Hickey from the University of Sydney and his attempts to um, justify this uh, I was yelling at the screen while I was so 
upset with his condescending and dismissive tone. Uh, uh, you know, look, good on Liam Bartlett for remaining yeah. composed through that. And, uh, you know, unlike you and I, Liam's not across all of the information uh, the way we are. Um, but, you know, it was so dismissive and they didn't even acknowledge the fact that countries like the UK, Norway, Sweden, an increasing number of countries are forbidding or outlawing the use of puberty blockers because of the incredible harm that's being done to children. And Hickey just wanted to make it all about one doctor, one doctor. Well, yeah. there's a lot more than one doctor and there were two doctors on the program to start with dr dylan wilson and dr julian spencer uh but you know one child being harmed is more than enough there are thousands being harmed and he was just his attitude was appalling so kiralee the thing i've noticed is um there's been very little follow-up in the media for a story as big as this uh it is a scandal um i mentioned in in my monologue earlier the abc picked it up but only to criticize it um this should be a running story in all mainstream media. There should be speeches in Parliament. There should be politicians calling for a Royal Commission. But but yet again, um, there's crickets. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's not surprising on one hand, but this is where the listeners and the viewers today, Lyle, could do something. You mm. can uh, write letters to the editors of newspapers. Uh, pick up the phone and make an appointment with your local MP and make sure they've seen the program and go and discuss each point and each person that spoke in that program. Ask them the questions of why is there no appetite for an investigation gender clinic practices and the harm being done to children. Put it back on them. Let them know that you are concerned um, and use your voice. It's really, really important. But it's a good start. It was a really good start for that program, but we need to see a lot more like it. We, we sure do. And uh, no one can now say that they didn't know uh, or that, you know, this is something hidden away. Uh, this is now broken out of the mainstream media. So let's uh, wait and see what happens. And, and I guess probably the next phase of this perhaps is uh, what you and um, the other brave women who are being uh, legally persecuted because of your views on this, um, what you're doing next Monday in Canberra, the uh, Why Can't Women Speak About Sex Tour going, that didn't sound right, but uh, your seminar uh, on Why Can't Women Talk About Sex is going to Parliament House in Canberra, hosted by the incredibly courageous Liberal Senator from South Australia, Alex Antic. What do you hope to achieve uh, from that event? Well, continue to raise awareness, Lyle. There's nine of us women, and there's many, many more, but there's nine of us more in a public space who are being penalised for speaking about the reality of biological sex and women's sex-based rights. So, you know, I'm facing four legal cases at the moment. Sal Grove is going all the way to the uh, federal court. Yep. Louise Elliott, who I believe yep. you're having on the program yep. today, she will, you know, share her story. Um you know, Catherine Deves, Moira Deeming, Angie Jones, Gillian uh, Spencer, all of us have either, you know, faced job loss, uh, legal pen penalties and ostracisation uh, in the public space for simply defending women's sex-based rights. So going to Canberra Parliament House, we will uh, hopefully get to speak to some politicians. Of course, many of them won't turn up because they don't want to hear about it and they don't have an answer for why women can't talk about sex in 2023. But uh, again, we'll give them no excuses, Lyle. We'll share our stories, uh, hopefully get some broader attention on this issue and we will do our best to 
support one another and to encourage other Australians because courage does breed courage. And when other Australians see that we are women from every walk of life, from the left and right of politics, uh, different ethnicities, different religious or faith backgrounds, uh, we can stand together on this very important issue uh, to defend and stand up for women's sex-based rights. Uh, absolutely. And um, the event is going to be streamed from 9.30am uh, next Monday, uh, September 11, uh, live from Parliament House, streamed on ADH TV right here on this channel. So make sure you go to the ADH TV website and uh, log into that. Now, Kiralee, it looks like a protest is being organised. It's called Turf Be Gone. Um, what is a turf for those viewers who don't know? Well, it's a slur and it stands for a trans uh, trans radical exclusionary, sorry, a trans exclusionary radical feminist, um, which, you know, is, it's just nonsense. Uh, we are women standing up for sex-based rights. But, you know, these people do us a favour because they, they try to stop women speaking. They try, they prove our point over and over and over again that they don't want women to speak about sex-based rights. They're a group of very aggressive men usually and their supporters who are trying to silence and shut down women uh, having a very reasonable conversation. They've been invited many times to engage, to debate, to have a reasonable and rational discussion. All they do is turn up, make a loud noise, scream vile obscenities and have absolutely no logical or comprehensive arguments yep. for why women shouldn't talk about sex. No, we've obviously seen some um, violence and some ugly scenes uh, earlier this year at, at other similar events, particularly when Kelly J. Keane was in town. Th these are the people that fly under the flag of the rainbow flag. So people who get warm, fuzzy feelings about rainbow flags, thinking it's something to do with equality and, and you know, love, uh, it, it's, that's quite a misnomer. Um, are you expecting trouble on Monday at Parliament House? Oh, look, well, you know, there's a couple of these events going around Facebook that saying they are going to turn up and silence us. Uh, the Australian Federal Police, we've been working with them. They're absolutely fantastic, right. so supportive, um, making sure that the women and the guests will be safe inside Parliament House. Uh, but it's really disappointing that these people, you know, want to take the focus off uh, the women and our stories and put it on, uh, you know, their loud, noisy, empty, baseless slurs, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Well, Kiralee, we'll look forward to getting an update on that event uh, next week when we chat here. But um, just before you go, I just want to say thanks for the excellent speech you gave at the Family First National Conference at the weekend. And I would encourage everyone to go to the ADH TV website and scroll down to special events and you can see Kiralee's uh, brilliant uh, speech there. So, so Kiralee, thanks again for your time today. Thanks, Lyle. And I'd say go and watch all the speeches. It was a sensational conference. You did an excellent job, Lyle. And I really look forward to the mark that Family First is going to make on the Australian political landscape. Greatly needed at this time and all the best. Thanks so much. Good on you, Kiralee. Well, regular viewers of this program and listeners of the podcast will know that I recently won a three-year legal battle after two LGBTIQA plus drag queens sued me for vilification or hate speech, as they like to call it. The case cost hundreds of thousands of dollars, and while I won, thanks to the generosity of mainstream Australians who crowdfunded my legal defence, and thanks to the incredible professionalism and generosity of my legal team, several other Australians continue to be dragged through the courts on the same type of charges. Kiralee Smith, who commentates on this program each week, is one of them. The police turned up at her home and issued her with papers after she called out a biological male for playing soccer against women. But another 
uh, to land herself in trouble, in legal trouble, is Hobart City Councillor Louise Elliott, who spoke at the Let Women Speak rally in Hobart back in March. There, alongside British girls and women's rights advocate Kelly J. Keane, or Posey Parker as she's known, Councillor Louise Elliott made the comment that trans women are men. Of course, she's absolutely right. Uh, she has now been dragged before the Tasmanian Human Rights Commission, the same commission that dragged Hobart Archbishop Julian Porteous before it during the same-sex marriage plebiscite for the crime of teaching Catholics Catholic teaching about marriage. Now, the case against Porteous was quietly withdrawn because it was damaging the Yes campaign uh, to change the definition of marriage. Uh, there's some resonances here with uh, the, the current Yes campaign being run for The Voice where they don't want to talk about treaty or reparations. Uh, it was the same back with the same-sex marriage campaign. Don't talk about anti-discrimination law. Don't talk about people being dragged before human rights commissions. Uh, it's the same playbook, playbook with both of these referendums or plebiscites. But, but now that the marriage law has changed, LGBTIQA plus activists are fighting any dissent to their gender fluid ideology in the courts. This week, Councillor Elliott was forced to attend a re-education session to teach her that children's gender is apparently fluid. I kid you not. Councillor Louise Elliott joins me now from Bruny Island via satellite. Councillor Elliott, thanks very much for your time today. Thank you for having me. Well, before we get into the shocking re-education which you've been subjected to just this week, take us back to that day in March when you spoke at the rally outside the Tasmanian Parliament. What happened? It was, to be honest, it was a nightmare of a day. It was something that I never pictured would be possible in Hobart and the community I love. So uh, from, the, from the very outset, uh, the attendees at Let Women, Women Speak, there was around 40 of us, and we were severely outnumbered by a um, protest group that were there to protest our event. So long story short, over the course of an hour or two, we ended up pushed up against the wall, front wall of Parliament House around 40 or 50 of us, surrounded by hundreds of protesters, literally screaming in our faces, chanting, people were spat on. And this is at really close proximity. These people were less than a metre apart. The police didn't keep any sort of face safe feeling physical distance there. And for over two hours, like I said, we were screamed at to the deafening chants. People walked away with, with tinnitus for days. Wow. And I had women... It was mostly women in their, you know, in the middle-aged women. And I had one lady particularly grab my arm and say, I'm scared, I'm scared. And I had to say to her, I had to lie to her and say, you're okay, we're safe, we're okay. I wasn't sure that that was the case. And that was something I'd never experienced before. Several local women spoke at the event and the women, they couldn't be heard. People were, were walked away pleased that they had screamed out local women having their say. They were talking about things like their experience with sexual assault, their experience with being in women's prisons, uh, about advocating for gay rights. And it was the first time I'd actually been experienced or seen an angry, hostile, volatile mob. It was yeah. a nightmare, Lyle. It's un-Australian, Louise. Um, I remember seeing the television footage of that uh, event and um, you would have obviously been amongst uh, that. And, and, of course, that was a precursor to the violence that uh, followed uh, Kelly J. Keane, Posey Parker, to Auckland, New Zealand, where she was uh, assaulted and, and, and in fear of her life and, and uh, sprayed with tomato sauce and the like. So these, 
These people in Hobart and again in Auckland, they are violent people. They fly under the rainbow flag. You spoke at that rally. That's where you made the, the trans women are men comment. Um, what, happened, uh, what happened after that? How, how did you end up in a legal process? That's right. So I spoke at the event and I, I shared what I think is my fair and valid opinion and what are known facts. Uh, after the event, it was in May, I received a letter from Equal Opportunity Tasmania saying that there's a complaint made because specifically about my quote that trans women are trans women and remain biological men. Uh, they also had a problem with the quote that you can't be raped with a penis if there is no penis present. These are these are realities. Yeah. And I was told that I'm being investigated for inciting hatred. And uh, that's just been really hanging over me for months now. It's cost me big time. Uh, yeah. They were trying to force me to conciliation and we're pushing back on that from a legal perspective. But it's, uh, I mean, to, it's a, an absurd situation to be talking facts and fair opinions. I also said that trans people, that everyone deserves to live happy and healthy lives. Like I don't wish any harm on anyone, but I stated a biological fact and I'm now being investigated for hatred, for, for inciting hatred for doing so. Yeah, it's crazy stuff. I think I said uh, Tasmanian Human Rights Commission is actually the Equal Opportunities Commission down there. I think they're the same sort of bodies but different names. I, I remember very well what it was like to get a letter in the mail from such a commission um, compelling me to go to a compulsory conciliation process. Good on you for, for pushing back. Um, Louise, we saw um, Victorian parliamentarian Moira Deeming seemingly punished for attending the Let Women Speak rally in Melbourne, which occurred just before yours. In her case, the Victorian Liberal expelled her from the Parliamentary Liberal Party. Why do you think these political activists are so determined to stop women like yourself and Moira and so many others from speaking? I think it's because they must inherently know that the ideology is so flawed. It is completely, it's not grounded in reality in any way, shape or form. So it's um, on a bed of sand. So when you, when people come and say, hey, what you're saying is illogical, it doesn't make sense, um, it's hypocritical in a lot of ways too, any sort of resistance to that they find incredibly threatening because they haven't got the argument to, to back it up. So all they can do is resort to uh, threatening tactics and silencing tactics and that's what we're seeing playing out and it's happening way too frequently and it needs to be corrected. It does. It, it, it certainly does. I mean, people shouldn't get away with yelling and screaming and violence and then having that bad behaviour rewarded by the legal system. This is where we need our politicians to act. Um, so, so I was um, really shocked to read your tweets this week about your re-education. Um, so this is part of, I guess, the legal process that you're embroiled in. Tell us what happened uh, in the session this week and what this organisation um, that, that seemed to be re-educating you, it's called Working It Out Tasmania, uh, or Working It Out, Tasmania's Gender, Sexuality and Intersex Support, Education and Advocacy Service. What on earth is that? Oh, to be honest, so the re-education came back because I'm, as you've mentioned, I'm a councillor on the Hobart City Council and this was part of what I would describe as a ret retaliation move from some, from some of my fellow councillors to make sure we go through this re-education because, as you can imagine, there's a lot of pressure to comply with the groupthink of being on a council and I'm speaking out. So the organisation, I'd actually, 
I don't know a lot about them other than they speak, they are the people leading the charge, I guess, in Tasmania and the go-to point when it comes to sexuality but also gender identity. So we had a session that I had to come along to where I was given a a, a person, a trans man, spoke about their experience and I was given a handout around FAQs on gender identity. And just looking at that fact sheet is basically anything but fact, to be honest. Um, and the experience, I had to I had to restrain myself. I was like the information was uh, blurted at me, but there was no opportunity for, for questions. Well, let's just talk about uh, some so of that information. It wasn't a fun experience. No, let's just talk about some of that information that you tweeted out. Um, the working it out fact sheet <laughs> says that gender is not fixed and not determined by genitals or other sex characteristics. And I believe that was under uh, a heading talking about children. I mean, this is um, this is crazy stuff. Yes, it is, and it is it is crazy. And it also again points to the hypocrisy of of this belief because, from my perspective. If people are saying that gender is fluid and it may, and, you know, it may change and it's not defined by genitalia and other characteristics, then why do we have kids and adults and young adults, why do we have people making permanent changes to their body, yep. specifically their sex characteristics and gen genitalia, when this is a fluid thing? If, you know, if people can flex in and out of a certain gender, why are we making such permanent changes yeah. and especially to children and setting them on surgical and medical pathways which are irreversible. It's nonsensical. Also that uh, working it out fact sheet um, said that trans women are not taking over or dominating women's sport. I mean what planet are these people on? The the only the only rationale I could come up for with, with a sentence like that is that might have been written 10 years ago but if you look around today there are situations and stories coming out across the globe where um, mediocre men are coming into women's sport and taking uh, and taking the medals. And what gets me is that every place in women's sport is a, a taken by a man is a place that is a, a woman has missed out on. And in sport it is where it's so blatantly unfair and unsafe for men to be in the women's category. The women's category exists for a reason. Um, because men and women are inherently different. So to argue that men aren't taking over sport, that's exactly actually the trend we are starting to see. Mm. And I think that's really sad because we want to encourage girls into, into sport. And if they see literally a person of the other sex, especially when they've been through a male puberty, coming in and uh, sweeping the podium, then th there's really no motivation for them to try. Yeah, that's right. We want every young girl in Australia to be able to aspire to play for the Matildas if they want to and, and not to have to compete against biological males to, to get to their dream. Um, th this is obviously, this re-education is, is a real worry because this has been given to you as, as fact. It's clearly it's not. Um, you also, you mentioned just earlier that um, a trans man came to speak with you as part of your re-education. Now, let's just be really clear for our viewers. A trans man is a woman who has transitioned and identifies as a man. Now, you said in your Twitter feed that uh, she presented, and I'm going <laughs> to use the, the proper biological pronouns, um, she presented as a man. She said she didn't feel safe in men's spaces, even though she has, or she has transitioned to a man. Why then do the LGBTIQA plus 
activists insist that girls and women must feel safe when a trans woman, a biological male, shares their toilets and changing rooms? It's a very good question. So this, uh, the, the person spoke about their experience and they spoke about being harassed for being transgender, which of course we all condemn. Yeah, no one course. should be harassed for something like that. They also spoke about uh, not after their double mastectomy, they call it top surgery, after the double mastectomy, uh, they didn't feel safe using the, they didn't feel comfortable in the women's. So this person also said that they didn't feel safe using the men's, which is exactly what they've been uh, on a surgical and medical pathway to resemble. And, I mean, if you follow along with their belief, trans men are men, therefore they should be in the men's. But this uh, female person didn't feel safe using the men's. And that was actually the only one question I got to ask is, can you tell me more about why you didn't feel safe using the men's? Because from our perspectives, it's, it's pretty obvious yeah. why they didn't feel safe using the men's. But then, like you say, conversely, we are, women, are meant to have open arms and welcome in any man that identifies as a woman. So it's it's complete conflict and hypocrisy because we all know, sadly, not all men, but we all know that as a category, men propose an inherent threat to women, especially in vulnerable yeah. spaces like change rooms. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And and, and the, tr the trans woman who spoke to you is someone who has undergone a very um, confronting surgical procedure, but uh, women and, and girls are being asked to accept biological males who identify as females into their spaces, whether or not they've undergone uh, surgery. I guess they, they call it bottom surgery, which is, which is um, uh, you know, physical castration. Now let's, let's call it what it is. But uh, you don't, they don't even have to go through that. So this is quite extraordinary, Louise. Now, Louise, what would have happened if you had not attended that re-education session? It would have been very much frowned on because it was a retaliation targeting me because I had dared to bring to the Hobart City Council a motion around our change room facilities and our council-owned properties like our aquatic centre. And I had said that uh, we need to have male spaces, female spaces and an all sexes, all gender space so that people can choose which of the spaces they want to use. And as the trans man who spoke at the event said, at the my re-education said, they didn't feel comfortable in either space and they actually wanted the third space yeah. Yeah. where everyone, you know, you, you, you because the thing is, you walk into a women's space and you expect to be with women. If you walk into an all-gender space, you expect there could be anyone in there and people can choose where they feel most comfortable. My council rejected that motion, even though it was they heard it from the horse's mouth. Mm. So this education was literally to try and reprogram me into these beliefs, to come on board with the belief system. Well, that's hilarious, Louise, because the, the trans man who was re-educating you <laughs> went off the reservation because of that. Of course, the LGBTIQA plus activist, they don't want that third, you know, sensible accommodation that we, we could all live with um, to keep girls and women safe and, and keep, you know, trans men safe as well. Um, it's all very, very confusing, but uh, look, it's the snake that swallows its own tail, unfortunately. Now, now Louise, you've got this um, legal matter with the uh, Equal Opportunities Commission. How much has this cost you so far in terms of dollars and, and what sort of emotional toll has it taken on you personally? Well, when I first received the letter, I was in a bit of shock because 
inciting hatred. I must have done something really bad mm. and I did nothing. Yeah. I have done nothing wrong. And I made very quickly made the decision that I will not be apologising for something I did that I have not done wrong. Yeah, I have made you. no mistake. I have made no error here. So, and I realised also the gravity of it because people are coming at, at me, I guess, to try as a somewhat public figure in Hobart, but to try and send the message to silence others. So I know how important it is to stand up to this legal uh, ridiculousness. So I've engaged lawyers and we've pushed back to say that their complaint is an overreach of the legislation. It, they have gone way too far in impinging on my implied right, freedom of uh, expression right. Mm. So it's I've literally spent around $6,000 so sure. far mm. to get to this point and the matter's still sitting with equality Equal Opportunity of Tasmania. They, I'm at a fork in the road. I've been told that they're, they're still investigating for a long time and I need to know, I'm now waiting to see whether they will dismiss the complaint or escalate it to the Tasmanian Tribunal, which yep. has then the, uh, the capacity to fine me for inciting hatred. So I don't know which way it's going to go. So I, regardless... I will, if it's escalated, I won't be backing down because it's too important to get this mud cleared up, as yep. you very well know. Yep. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, look, whilst my matter was in Queensland, yours is in Tasmania, it's exactly the same process. You go to a Human Rights Commission or an Equal Opportunities uh, Commission, and then they escalate it. And in my case, to the Queensland Civil Administrative Tribunal, um, you've got a similar tribunal in Tasmania. Um, I wish you well, Louise. Uh, my journey took three years. Uh, I know our friend Kiralee Smith, uh, hers is being escalated to the New South Wales Civil and Administrative Tribunal. You can see the progression. We've got these flawed laws right around the nation which need to be changed and we need some politicians with courage to do so. Louise, what can people do to support your legal defence? Well, if people, I would very much welcome people reaching out um, because if it, I do, if and when I do get the message that, no, I'm going to tribunal, I don't like asking for assistance, but I'm going to need it because you I will. can't fund, yeah. you know, because this will go as high as it needs to because I need to fight this for everyone to be able to to say the truth and to stand up with to such a, a powerful and dangerous ideology. Yeah. So if people want to reach out to me, uh, they'll um, I'll welcome the messages and we can keep in contact. Yeah, look, I, I would certainly encourage people to do that. I hope you can get a crowdfunding website up and running uh, quickly. I, I'm so grateful yes. to, you know, 1,300 people from right across Australia, lots of small donations added up to a lot, which um, funded my legal defence, along with some great pro bono work and generosity from uh, my legal firm. And uh, I'm sure you'll have the same. We've got to stick together in this, as you say, Louise, it's a dangerous ideology. We've got to stand up for free speech, the rights of girls and children. Uh, Councillor Louise Elliott, thank you so much for sharing sharing your story with us today here on ADH TV. Thank you. Well, that's all we have time for today. Don't forget to go to the ADH TV website and check out the speeches from the Family First National Conference. Thanks to the team at ADH TV for, all, uh, for making all of those talks available and uh, including the one by former Deputy Prime Minister John Anderson. You can check it all out there on the website. Until next week, keep speaking up.